Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the 25th Sunday after Pentecost, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Brochard as he preached from the lectionary, which this week was Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. When a church gets self-satisfied, it's the people who need mercy who suffer. I'll say it one more time. When a church gets self-satisfied, it's the people who need mercy who suffer. I nearly slammed on the brakes Monday morning this week when I heard that sentence. I was listening to one of my favorite sermon podcasts, and one of the scholars, Matt Skinner, almost stopped me in, that, in my tracks with that distillation. Professor Skinner's sentence comes from years of research he's done that's going to be part of an upcoming book he's written about the Gospel of Matthew. For him, Matthew's Gospel radiates from Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and about those who are blessed in this world and particularly about how Christ followers are to put themselves alongside those who are in need of mercy. Through this lens, the parable of the talent, then, is not simply about our own personal response to remaining awake until the return of Christ. It is that. But like like that, it's also about the character of, of the Christian community, say, a community like ours. Our character, who we are, what we believe, how we live, is at stake here as well. First, some background. To listeners of this story in the first century around the Mediterranean, this story would not have sounded unusual at all. Stories abounded in the ancient world about uh, the master of a house or the lord, the curios of a household, going away for a long trip and leaving their servants in charge. It was a well-worn story about testing character. How would that servant in charge do? What would they neglect? And it's not dissimilar from the parable that we heard last week about the wise and foolish bridesmaids. Last week, I preached about the kind of trust that we as Christians need to hold in Jesus as we live. And this week, I want to pay attention to the way we live together. Again, for context, it's the end of Jesus' life, and he knows it. So as he prepares for his death and for what is to come, Jesus is entrusting responsibility to his followers. You will be tested, he says. And I will not be around in the same way to guide you. 
how will you live? Now, you. So often we hear that word you as individual. But what if this parable isn't simply about your personal character or mine? What if this is a story that also collectively compels us to action? What follows in the story is relatively straightforward, uh, especially for a Jesus parable. I'm not here to overturn, you know, centuries of interpretation. Three servants receive talents, which uh, is just an enormous sum of money. One receives five talents, one receives two talents, one receives one talent. The first two servants put them to work. They double the amount that they have received. And when the the curios returns and finds that they have done this, he commends them, gives them more responsibility, which I'm not sure I really am looking for, but that's okay. And then invites them to share in his delight. To share in his delight. But then there's that third servant with the one talent. Now I understand, really, kind of where he's coming from. That's a lot of money. What if he screws it up and his master comes back and he's underwater? So he uh, buries the talent and presents it unchanged upon his master's return. I believe that the reason why we keep telling this story is because we continue to find it to be so true. Why do we bury what we've been given? What keeps us from using the gifts we've been given so that those who need mercy won't suffer? Is it fear that we won't have enough for ourselves? Is it because it will take effort and we're tired? Is it because we might waste what we've been given? The big idea here is that to be faithful Christ followers, we cannot bury what we've been given. Now, (laughs) we may not even be able to simply give it to the bankers, but that's probably for another sermon. (laughs) What Jesus is imploring us to understand is that there are significant consequences to burying what we've been given. And often, we are not the ones who pay the price. One more note about how we are asked to to give ourselves so that those who need mercy will find it in us. And it's something that surprised me in the text this time. This parable also appears in another gospel, the Gospel of Luke. But in that version, in Luke's version, the master gives ten servants each one talent. 
But if you remember in the version we just heard in Matthew's gospel, there are three servants and they each receive very different amounts. And we are told, each according to their ability. Now, there are some readers of this parable who are troubled by this, this detail, this each according to their ability. To them, it rings of elitism. Something about reading it this time for me, however, I, I had a sense of a compassion coming from the text. Because even though each of the servants were expected to make more of their talent, to put it to good use, they are instructed to do this only to their own ability. Why is this important? Well, if you flipped it the other way, if everyone were expected to do the same thing but had different abilities, it could feel kind of crushing. For instance, if mercy for those who desperately need it solely depends on me, Phil Brochard, creating, planning, and implementing a detailed plan by myself, we could be in trouble. But if seeing patterns, envisioning a future, encouraging others, seeing each person's particular abilities, that feels like something I might be able to do. But that's only because I feel like I've been given capabilities in those areas. What are the things that come easier for you? What have others held up as gifts that make more of you and the people around you? And here's the sticky question of our parable. How are you using those gifts so that those in need of mercy can benefit from them? And then again, what if this parable were as communal as it is personal? What comes easy for us? What have we been burying? What might it mean for us to put that to work? Now, when I say us or we or church, what I really mean is Christian community. And Christian community is as big as the Anglican communion and as intimate as a marriage. Consider the communities that form your life. Have you witnessed the kind of spending of gifts so that others don't suffer or don't suffer alone? I believe I have um, in many ways. And one are Stephen ministers for over 15 years now. And in our parish house accompaniment program, before we had Jordan Court, we walked alongside asylum seekers in very simple and very profound ways. When we live this way, everyone is made more whole. This is an auspicious time in our diocese as we listen for who is to guide and support and pastor and lead us.
and it is at All Souls Parish as well. As the Isaiah Project right now is discerning groups who are spending their talents in remarkable ways and discerning how we might be able to support their work with our time and our talent and our treasure. And we're also preparing to refresh our buildings so that they can be spaces for everyone. Our parable this morning asks us all a question that will not go away. A question for us as individuals, but even more for us as communities who follow the Christ. Who is in need of mercy? And what might we have buried that needs to be put to work?